Well, hello there, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, the show has officially been canceled. Um, we we made a deal that uh, if the Bears lost again, we were going to cancel the show. Um, Didn't work out as planned, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but on the real though, you know, I'm sitting here. You know, get the get the all the stuff we talk about usually beforehand. Week's been good. It's been busy like usual. <laughs> but I'm looking ahead at the topics right here. And you know it's kind of been like a it's it's been a meh season when one of them is Jakeem Grant NFC special teams player of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that's all we got that's all we gotta hold on to now, man. We gotta hold on to the little victories, that, you know. That man really had us for about the first half thinking that the Bears might have a chance in this game. You know, he, he was like, I if we can keep pulling off stuff like this, you know, maybe. <laughs> you wanna know the weird thing about being a Bears fan is that oftentimes I feel like it's I feel more confident in the team coming from behind than actually holding and maintaining a lead. Like I like so many times, specifically in the Matt Nagy era, have we gotten like the slightest bit of lead and Matt Nagy is just grinding, trying to hold on to that lead the entire game and doing everything to be as conservative as possible to make sure that we don't lose the game by uh, by uh, making a dumb mistake or something like that, that we can't we don't score any more points and then the other team's like able to score once within like five drives and Matt Nagy's like how could they have predicted this yeah the lead protecting Bears offense is just one of the weirdest things you'll ever get to watch because it is literally thing it is a marathon of how quickly can this team get off the field on a three and out (laughs) it's so seriously it's so sad (laughs) like they're not even good at wasting time efficiently it's not like they could get you know three runs that rattle off uh you know like about at least a minute and a half they're at least gonna have an incomplete pass in there that just ruins everything so it's just terrible. I mean, and not that this year, you know, this team is not great, clearly. Um, they have a, a pretty terrible record. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like we've... Well said, Reese. Well said. We, ha- we, have, we have watched... It's pretty terrible. It's just so weird, though, because with as bad as the offense is, you still go, like, at least me personally, I'm like, this isn't the worst Bears team I've ever seen. You know, there's been some teams that oh, have set not. the the bar very low, <laughs> especially like oh, those John it, Fox teams in my mind have really just, I think, ruined or I guess given me a full realization of how how poor the Bears can be. And now it's just disappointment, I think, is really, you know, it's like that. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed <laughs> kind of kind of feeling. Listen, I while I agree with that, I I have to say the one team that may have been worse than those uh, John Fox Bears teams were the Jeff Fisher Rams teams. Oh, <laughs> those, those teams were so bad, and I thought it was so funny, honestly, that Jared Goff up until the Vikings blew that game had never won with another coach besides Sean McVay. Yeah. He went eight and he went zero and eight in his rookie year when he came in, and then he went uh, almost zero and seventeen this year. But the Vikings, man, leave it to Kirk Cousins to mess that up. He got that quick tie too. You know, you can you can't take that away from him. Yeah, oh, that's, you know, good point. Good point. Who was that against? The anyways? Steelers. Who else could it be oh, against, that, man? That's right. Just a team that's, that's just right. so mediocre. And actually, that reminds me. I've heard uh, if like Mike Tomlin gets fired, I've heard his yes. name up and around. And I, Dude, it's just 
I can I I'm not sold on him at all, especially with what he's done in the past really ten years. Let's be honest. He hasn't accomplished anything. I'm accepting uh job applica- applications for a new code co host for the podcast. Are you kidding me? Uh, You'd want yeah. Mike Tomlin <laughs> as his coach? Uh, dude, I <laughs> he would be so much better than anything we've ever had, bro. Like you are talking to a, a, a team that has literally had some of the worst coaching history ever. We hold on to Mike Dicka like he is Jesus Christ himself, man. I I, I swear if uh, if there was a church or a cult for Mike Dick Mike Dicka, uh, there'd be a lot of Bears fans joining it because uh, he he he's he's the talk of the town still, man. He had a whole restaurant chain off of it, and when you go there, the food's pretty crappy too. <laughs> oh man, it's like the. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna say. That. I was gonna say Michael Jordan's steakhouses, but I've actually heard some better things about that. Okay, well, I can't. I can't speak to. Of course, you know. Yeah, I can speak to Dig because we experienced that together, but um. Yeah, Michael Jordan Steakhouse never been, so I can't comment. But dude, like, so what's wrong with Tomlin? Dude, though? What's all wrong these with players him? that he's had? I mean, he blew like all of like what twenty fourteen through twenty seventeen when they should have been probably in at least like two Super Bowls mm. in that time period, and barely managed to get into the AFC Championship game. And then you know I won't fault him for the past couple of years because. They the Steelers organization has forced him to continually play Ben Roethlisberger, (laughs) which is just a tragedy that that man is still out there executing the quarterback position. Um, (laughs) But it's just like, you know, it's very much he's kind of like a Mike McCarthy in my eyes, you know, like I I think he can bring teams Mm. to a certain level, but he's definitely not going to be someone that brings them over the hump. And they certainly just kind of rode the wave to that first Super Bowl win. What I like so much about Mike Tomlin is he's kind of like so like there's not a whole bunch of coaches like this anymore, but one of the last like batches of coaches that were true generalists, like they just they did a little bit of defense, did a little bit of offense and their time coaching and they're a head coach and they they don't really do either. Kind of similar to like Pete Carroll or Belichick where Belichick did defense, but he also did special teams for a little bit, too. Um I think it, I, you know, what I like about Tomlin is I just have always felt like his teams are so well coached. Like, I understand the talent aspect of it, but like how many just random people have, has that organization uh, really risen up, you know, brought, made them better. Um, they get you know, rid of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they do do that. That is true. But I just, you know, Dude, if we're talking about a coach that's going to perennially keep you in the playoffs and win you playoff games, man, that's such a higher step right now. We can't. I I just feel like looking, especially at the other coaches available. Do we really think Kellen Moore is going to have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than but uh, Tomlin? Dude, and I, and like you're gonna think I'm off my rocker, but within the next 15 years, yeah, <laughs> I dude, I think Mike Tomlin, I think that he's a part of this coaching crop that's about to just kind of get filtered out, and and I don't think yeah. that I don't think that the whole league needs to move to the super young coach. We're hiring the 30 year old guy, you know, that looks like he's still somewhat in shape. And, and something like that. Like, nah, man, I'm fine <laughs> with the Bruce Arians, the, the Andy Reid looking people of the world. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I don't care. But I, I think that for some of these guys that really just, I mean, what has Mike Tomlin accomplished in the past 10 years? Like, I, 
It's the same thing that got Mike McCarthy significantly fired. more than any other Bears coach in that but time. Is that what or you like want, the is ten that what we've you want had the since Bears then. bar to be? Because that's what they did in the Lovey Smith era, and that's what got him fired. Uh, well, Lovey Smith could get him to nine and seven, ten and six, and a, and a quick you know a quick visit to the wild card, maybe surprise a team, and then you know wave goodbye and hit the links. You know that. Well, <laughs> here here's here's my like kind of perspective on this, I guess. My biggest concern, more so than our next head coach actually making the Bears a winning team, is that they positively impact Justin Fields' development. Like, if uh, let's say we get a head coach that's we're doing okay over the next three ish years, but Justin Fields looks like a star, and then we can, like, as long as he's moving Justin forwards forward. That's my top priority right now, bro. And I think that Mike Tomlin could build a good enough offense that Justin Fields could develop well enough that he might be able to bring him over the hump. Listen, man, uh, Big Ben was a very good quarterback, but he did also live off a lot of the Super Bowls he won really early on in his career. Was that even with Tomlin? No, he won one with Cowher, one with Tomlin. That's it. Okay. Okay, yeah. One, yeah, the one with Tomlin and then Tomlin... Uh, lost the one to the Packers and what was it? Like oh, yeah, that's 20. right. I almost forgot yeah. they made that. Yep, yeah, that was Rogers' lone Super Bowl win. And what yeah. a team to do yep. it against, you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so, you know, I uh, while I do understand what you're saying, man, it's just like I, I'll, any step forward to like a more stable organization, I, I feel like is a huge step up. But I, I know what you mean. Like Mike Tomlin's a very respected neighbor on the NFL. And I think a lot of teams would feel, you know, graced by his presence for, for them to be their head coach. And the Bears probably would too. You're not kidding that he'd be a massive step up from Nagy. All I'm saying is that this that man has about as much experience as Kellen Moore in developing a quarterback. You know? Mm. Well, yeah, and he's more so – I, I mean, I guess he's more so a defensive guy than an offensive guy. I mean, he he really has done both. Uh, I think he was like a wide receiver coach for a while, and then he was a defensive coordinator before he got the job in uh, – it, it, you know what? And I can't even say that. I was going to say at least Mike Tomlin would have like Aaron Allen Robinson like working on every play instead of giving up and giving up on a block and letting them go tackle their quarterback. Well, let's we should we should definitely talk but, about that right now too. But um, I was going to say that, but then he also has someone like Chase Claypool on his team that's really probably the most narcissistic person in the world. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> the fact he couldn't even admit that he was wrong in the presser after the game after. He clearly, in the beginning of the game, did something so dumb that cost them some yardage by sticking his finger into the defender's mask um, and pointing at the first time and then pretended to the ref like he didn't know what he was doing, even though he looked at the guy first and then did it. And then he gets benched. And then it's like go time because they're staging a huge comeback in a game that they should have won, if we're being completely honest here. Like if they just like did like... If Claypool didn't do some of his stunts, I mean, they might have they might have won that game, man. Like that was crazy. Yeah. That was a crazy game. Um, one of the best Thursday night games Fantastic we've seen in a while. Game, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but Claypool then does a little posture when the clock is running. What they had like thirty seconds left, and they're trying to get the ball snapped, and Claypool is like posturing and and and. Literally, his teammates like rushing over, like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And uh, after the game, the commentators, of course, were like, "Hey, uh, 
what happened there? And he's like, oh, the guy hit the ball out of my hands. That's why we couldn't get it. Like, okay, Which bro, did okay. happen, but you know what? That makes me think. He like, gave him the opportunity oh, to do 100%, it. 100%. He gave him the opportunity to do it, which is idiotic. He should have just gone immediately to the ref, get up, walk to the ref, get the football, get back into position. Um, but What I think I also find refreshing about Tomlin is it, when you look at that press cut, uh, that presser after the game, they asked, he's so, he's such a, would be such a like personality upgrade over Nagy for the locker room, I feel like, because he's like a pretty disciplined guy, you know? And the reporters are like, so did you like bench Claypool after that? And if, if it was Nagy answering it, he's like, you know, we got, we got to go back to the film. We got to look at the whys. Um, you know, I think we just need to all come together and it's about details. And, uh, and Tom was just like, I did. And he's like, did, and then the report is like, do you think that was a good decision? And he's like, I'll have to figure that out this week. <laughs> like, yeah. So giving him credit for that though, is about like, it's about as much credit as I give pace for scowling and shaking his head, but for naggy punking <laughs> it though, you know, like it, it, sure. It makes you happy, but then you're like, well, yeah, anyone with a brain was kind of going through that kind of emotion. Well, let's, too. let's talk about the Packers game. Then let's, let's get into this Packers game. I, we've talked enough about the Steelers on this bears podcast. Um, the Bears fall to the Packers. I don't even know what the final score was, was honestly. Forty five to thirty. It was not a forty five to thirty. Not a scoregami, if you're curious. Very interesting. I, I I followed that Twitter account for a while until I realized how much they tweet, and I was like, all right, this enough. Uh, <laughs> Third quarter chance for a scoregami point yeah, zero 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 five percent. Seriously. Um. Anyways, the uh, the Bears fall obviously terrible loss man and i know we wish that we were able to get up a uh, post game uh we were too depressed no i'm just kidding uh we we were both just extremely busy and the game ended really late yeah um specifically for you reese so i was we weren't to able to off towards the end if uh, i'm being real but <laughs> but i i think that it was a it was a it was a good thing <laughs> um yeah. in the beginning i mean let, let's just talk through the beginning of the game man when we go out there the very first thing that stuck out to me is when Matt Nagy punted the ball at the Packers 40 on the opening drive. And yeah. and it ended up being a touchback. To me, in my head when that happened, I'm like, we just lost this game. Because what we said on the podcast just, I mean, what was it? Earlier in the week, we said Nagy needs to come out aggressive. He can't be passive in this game. And that was the most cowardly football move I've ever seen we didn't even go for the field goal and I, I don't blame him it would it would have been a pretty long field goal there we didn't even go for uh we 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 didn't even go for uh, uh go for it um we just punted it and Pat O'Donnell wasn't able to put it in the right place so they get out to 25 guess what we gave good thing you pushed him back an extra 15 yards Nagy that really is going to stop Aaron Rodgers um yeah, yeah. It, it's I mean, it's definitely frustrating, too, because, you know, the Bears are one of the very few teams in the league that would have actually done something like that. And it's just and it didn't really quite work out this way in the first half. Like the Bears were actually able to to have more answers for the Packers offense in the first half compared to the second. Um, but you, you really have to operate, especially when you're playing a team like the Packers, you have to operate that we have to score on just about every possession here. 
You know, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to start adding field goals to the equation, you have to be, be sure that you're scoring on just about every possession. And that if you're not scoring, the Packers are likely going to get the ball and score, which is exactly well, what, then, what they did in the second half. Exactly. And what happened immediately after that? We get a three and out. We march our way back down the field. We're at the goal line. Cole Komet drops a touchdown pass that was placed perfectly by Justin Fields. I know it looked like it was a little bit behind him, but that was intentional because of where the defender was. Cole Komet, of course, can't catch it, just like none of the Bears receivers can, which is a perfect example of a not well-coached team at all. Um, but he can't reel it in. It's fourth down. We're at, we're at the goal line, and Nagy kicks a field goal. And uh, again, another display of Cowley. And then the Packers go and they march down. And I think they tie it with a field goal, if I remember correctly. It's really hard to remember that whole correct order of things. It was it just got very back and forth. I know the second quarter was just outrageous as far as all the different things that Scoring. happened. Um, you know, Jakeem Grant uh, played fabulous. He had that little shovel pass that he took to the house. Um, kind of mm-hmm. deal. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a shovel pass, a little like kind of pitch pass, and then yeah. um, and of course the punt return, which was man. When I watched the replay of it, it was a lot deeper than I remember it being. <laughs> maybe, oh yeah, maybe I just wasn't fully paying attention when I was first watching it. But man, he took that thing back from damn near the, the five yard line. So, and that is the only punt return in the NFL this season. Really, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So Jakeem Grant has the only punt return, and then he has that nice little shovel pass. Listen, the one thing I have to say is I kind of am a little upset that we haven't been able to see Jakeem Grant more in Matt Nagy's offense because I think Nagy finally kind of found his like Tyree Kill guy. You know, like like th- that little shovel that little shovel pass is something they ran for Tyree Kill. 300 times in 27 and sorry 2018 for with Patrick Mahomes like that little shovel pass just get get the speedy guy to the edge like that um it 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 was it was perfect and I think Nagy actually may be able to use Jakeem Grant a little bit better because he's already looking like he's reaching the best form of offensive player that he's been um, even considering his time in Miami, uh, he's never been a real solid offensive player, but it seems like Nagy is kind of getting the hang of him. Um, so I, I, I have to give Nagy credit for that. What I have to criticize Nagy on is that the game plan was just awful. I mean, even this time, even when we were scoring the play calling, everything was just off, man. The, the protection at the line was terrible. Justin Fields was pressured on over 56% of his passes, which is insane. Um, Terrible numbers for your rookie QB. He was getting beat up right after coming off that rib injury. This is actually the, probably the only game this season that I think um, until he threw that last pick, I think his stat line was better than he, how he was actually playing. Like I actually think like he, he pro- in past games he probably should have had more touchdowns than what was allocated to him like he probably shouldn't have had two touchdowns in this game as far as like how he played i don't think he played bad he was just getting attacked at the line of scrimmage yeah yeah he was and i i think that overall when you look at kind of how the offense produced it was it, it in a certain way is what we we're just kind of expecting as far as it just kind of being choppy not quite fully in rhythm but 
At the same time, we saw a lot of the same things were just aggravating us all year, along with that choppiness. You know, the drop balls, mm-hmm. it's just, it's been the same thing week in, week out. This team is getting so kind of tiring, <laughs> almost to yeah. even talk about, because it's they don't even really give us the, the benefit of variation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, other than this week actually having a, a, a size of, well, not sizable lead, but being competitive in the first half before they decide to blow the game. But it... <sighs> You know, it once again, it boiled down to another classic kind of naggy moment where it's, you know, the Packers adjusted. They they really started just coming for what the Bears had as far as weaknesses go. Started attacking the secondary a little bit more aggressively, especially in one-on-one matchups. And, and then started running the ball really kind of at the heart of that defensive line. I mean, making sure that they're taking advantage of a lot of the crucial players that we have out along there. So... It, it and then the Bears just kind of did their Bears thing. The third quarter for you know Bears teams throughout the whole year has been just one to forget, and this uh, this past week was certainly one of those as well. Yeah, and I think that what bothers me so much about this game is I just I outside of me just in general not understanding what Maggie Nagy is trying to do on scheme scheme wise, I just didn't understand the game plan like it it didn't look like he had a game plan man like the game plan should have been almost the exact game plan that was called for Andy Dalton versus the Cardinals where it's like you're taking advantage of the ground game you're you're building off the ground game through the air game you're having you know your your quarterback's going to be facing a good amount of pressure the Packers have had a pretty good pass pass rush this season and you're not having any outlet passes uh, or, or blitz beaters or anything like that. You don't have any of that built into your playbook. All it is 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 little hitch routes, and that's what ends. Up, that was the reason why the ball ended up getting taken away from Darnell Mooney is because when the the Packers have two athletic uh, cornerbacks right now, Eric Stokes is extremely athletic, and so is uh, geez, I'm I'm blanking on his name, Russell um, Douglas. Yeah, yeah, Douglas. Uh, they're both pretty athletic cornerbacks good enough where they can have enough closing speed on a wide receiver that if you throw a hitch route there's a good chance they might be able to take it back and I'm not saying I'm not trying to defend Justin Fields he probably shouldn't have thrown that pass um but a big reason why that ball got taken away is because a lot really a lack of play strength by Darnell Mooney he pretty much had the ball in his hands he just needed to bring it down and not being aggressive enough at the at the at at, at the ball this is a constant issue with Bears receivers it's like Sure, Allen Robinson used to make some pretty nice catches, but like just the 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 play strength, like it feels like they don't want to play for him. And going back to Allen Robinson, <laughs> the the blo- the the absolutely terrible miss block. Okay, that would have been a touchdown run for Fields. And then outside of that, I don't know if you saw this, Reese, because I know you kind of checked out at the end of the game. There was a pass that Fields had. It was a deep pass to Allen Robinson. He was in one-on-one coverage, yep. and he threw it on the outside shoulder yep. of Allen Robinson, which is exactly where you put that ball. It was a perfect ball, and Allen Robinson didn't even turn around to ca- try to catch it. Literally, uh, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams had the exact same – he threw the exact same ball on the Devontae Adams – uh, I don't know if he, it ended up going for a touchdown, but where he kind of like cut back in and, and grabbed the ball yeah. and then and then was able to... I think he got to the end zone there. And uh, of course, Adams is able to fucking get it because he's actually a good player. <laughs> but Allen Robinson, of course, isn't. Well, it's just like... And that kind of play from him has been typical all season long. And it's been so uninspiring at this point. Like, 
I w- well, I guess I had my hate for Allen Robinson beforehand as far as just people overvaluing him a little bit. But just the, the week-in, week-out lack of effort, you know, it's just like, all right, like this man can just, he can just leave now. You know, I'm not going to be very upset when when he walks away from this team and it'll be what it'll be. And yeah, with Devontae Adams, I mean, that's just an example of, you know, kind of just keying in on it. I, a lot of these balls, and especially like someone that you expect or that people say that Allen Robinson is as a receiver, then some of these balls that even aren't nearly perfect from Justin Fields should end up in his hands, you know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams finds a way to make it happen. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but not every ball that he throws is perfect. Or sometimes the perfect ball is in a really inconvenient place where, you know, Devontae exactly. Adams has to really adjust to go make that play. And we just don't see that, you know, whether it be an inconvenient place because it's a, a, you know, an errand throw or, you know, a quote unquote perfect throw from fields. So and, and yeah, the, the fact that he gave up on that and with, you know, kind of what you're talking about, the hitch routes, you know, the Bears receivers aren't nearly physical enough. But also, too, when your play calling is that predictable that we know they're almost run, always mm-hmm. stopping at these little hitch, looking for it. little hitch routes. I mean, it makes it so easy to key in on. And that's why the Bears have actually had some success on double moves this year. Because most mm-hmm. secondaries are hyper-aggressive against this Bears team because they know they can get away with it 99% of the time. Well, that's why I also think, like, Russell Douglas, for as good as he's he has played, he's also not an elite corner, obviously. And I think that a lot of the way that <laughs> a lot of the way that Matt Nagy gets uh, Mooney open is by that double move threat. Yeah. So you can give him you can get him the hitch because if there is a hitch, most real most intelligent corners are going to be willing to just like let him let let that little pass up and uh, just protect the double move, and that's pretty much probably how. They schemed against him. But when the Packers are down and they have a player that, you know, maybe isn't thinking about that double move pass and he can really sell out or he really thinks that that's going to be um, what's going to happen, it's it's so predictable. And, and notice how the two scores of this game, um, one of them was on just a, just a, you know, short little slanting route, which I don't know why we don't run that play ever. <laughs> like, seriously, like how, how often do the bears actually try to get a little short slant route in there, or even the intermediate game, man, the intermediate game by this offense is so underutilized. And that's so for a young quarterback, like intermediate throws in the middle of the field, you know, that's just the bread and butter for so many quarterbacks. I don't understand. That's how Kirk cousins lives in the NFL right now. (laughs) Basically. And it's even um, two on the goal line. Every other shifty receiver is doing this right now. Cause it's almost unstoppable route where you basically mm-hmm. do like you, you act like you're doing the quick slant in, you know, about two mm-hmm. steps into the slant, pivot the foot down and then pop out to the outside. And mm-hmm. if you can get the defensive back off balance, it's an easy walk and touchdown. Usually it's just throw right into the end zone. It's easy. So and it, that's why Matt Nagy's offense sucks in the red zone, bro. It's because he all his entire offense is off of the threat of a double move p- pretty much. <laughs> and when there's no threat of a double move because you're in the end zone, uh, you can't create offense. Mooney's going long from the ten yard line. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's enough of it's the so frustrating. talk, man. It, That's yeah, <laughs> it's it's so frustrating. Matt, Matt Nagy needs to be fired. And one thing that I wanted to mention is that 
with the new rule, teams can actually start interviewing head coaching candidates after December 28th. So that's in season. So I think there's a pretty solid chance that right before that time, we might see the end of Matt Nagy's coaching tenure, unless they just start interviewing him while he's still our coach, which, you know, maybe they will do that as well. Yeah. Um, At this point, I mean, it's just like we've made it far enough. Like if they really want to like watch him see out the sinking ship, if they want him to go down with it, then be as it may, you know, but it's just like, we're so close, you know, right now I can taste it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a relieving feeling. And the funny thing is, is, uh, I don't know if you saw in the half, as soon as Matt Nagy told the reporter at halftime that he's having so much fun, I'm like, we're losing this game. Yeah. We're losing this game. Like I could just already see it. Matt Nagy just depressed. And then the tag being Matt Nagy quote, I'm having so much fun. And sure enough, that was literally everywhere on Twitter. Um, what someone I knew told me, Matt Nagy looks like he's been drinking a lot. <laughs> well, it's like he gave him, right. he gave himself his own participation trophy. You know, it's just kind of like he's gonna Seriously. look back and be like, "Oh man, that first half against the Packers was so much fun." Yeah. Dude, I yeah, <laughs> dude, seriously, I, <laughs> the first half, man, it's like the uh, the. Uh, kid from your high school that should have went d1 yeah. uh by by his standards when really was riding the bench but uh more so i i oftentimes wonder what's actually on matt Nagy's play sheet because uh <laughs> pretty much i think he just tells the team to go out there and run hitch routes and double moves all day long remember <laughs> like i seriously wonder like he's looking at that play sheet and it's like hitch route hitch route hitch route <laughs> like which one do i choose <laughs> If all else fails, remember the scheme, you know, <laughs> just remember, remember why we're doing this boys, the scheme. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, Matt, one other thing you mentioned, Ryan Pace scoffing at Matt Nagy for punting at the end of the game. I completely agree with that. Matt Nagy even admitted he was wrong. Um, man, it's just, it was terrible. That's the words, right, let's of move a, on. words of a real humble man. You know, he can admit his mistakes. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, that's a man that's about to be fired. <laughs> um, and probably not going to get another. I don't even know if he'll get an offensive coordinator job, not for Andy Reid or something like that. Uh, do you know what is another name, actually, I want to bring up really quickly that I saw someone mention? And in my head, I was like, no, but maybe. Say it. D- Doug Peterson. Mm, okay. Sure. <laughs> I. I. I like your idea of Clint Kubiak better. <laughs> Clint Kubiak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I someone mentioned that and I was like it's kind of it's kind of an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought experiment. I wouldn't be happy with it like he's certainly not even on my top choice, but he is someone that has had half decent offenses and good offenses for stretches of time. Um but he kind of had a weird falling out in, with the Eagles, at least. Um, but, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Dan Weeder, he reported that Ted Phillips is considering uh, – he's told people privately that he's considering stepping away from football operations. Uh, not sure what that means. I don't know if he has any – if that means he's, like, done being the president or um, – or if that just literally means that he just doesn't want to think about the football side of it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I recommend him taking that path. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, bears fans can rejoice at the, the sound of that. 
Um, cause I feel like usually if it makes its way to going public, that means that something is probably in the works and that would certainly be a pretty dramatic shift in the bears since, uh, you know, shockingly he's been part of the organization in that capacity since 1999, I believe, yes. which is stunning. And I think it's a guard pack situation, bro. It, it really is. I mean, it's, and that's really been the kind of ill of this bears team and, it's tough to even talk about because there's so little that you can do about it. Garpak seemed untouchable, and Ted Phillips seemed guarded by this McCaskey family. And what's so interesting, actually, that the Garpak's comparison is pretty um, spot on because Garpak's they they made you know they made it through a lot of those Bulls years with their drafting of. Derrick Rose and the early, you know, that little early stretch on where Derrick Rose won the MVP rookie of the year. Um, we had some good bulls teams during that time, but eventually it just ran stale and the uh, ownership was still kind of holding on, you know, they're still holding on hoping. And that's kind of how Ted Phillips is when you consider him like, that's kind of what the 2006 years were, you know, like the early two thousands, you know, right when he kind of got there within the first I mean, I guess that's like seven years, but still built a Super Bowl team, a team that went to the Super Bowl. Um, and since then, it's ran extremely stale, um, obviously having some spurts of good teams. But overall, you kind of understand it. It seems like the only person that doesn't understand is the owner. Something that I saw uh, that was also mentioned, geez, I can't remember who who, who said this, but um, apparently a take from like a lot of recent players was that the McCaskies don't like, um, like strong personalities, like at, at at the front of their organization, and they are more so willing to allow mediocre performance as long as the individual is, you know, well spoken or kind or, or interacts with them in the way they want to interact with them. Um, I don't know the validity behind that rumor, but um, I could I could see that. <laughs> you know, I could see that. I think that. Um, there's been a lot of times where the McCaskey seemed to hold on for too long. Um, many would argue with Ryan Pace. That's the situation right now. Uh, Matt Nagy certainly, uh, certainly is the, uh, candidate there as well to, uh, for being held on too long. Now that he's had a third terrible year as an offense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just been the story of, of the ownership and the bears are just a very professional organization. You know, I don't think there's any two ways around it. And, and, and usually, and, and it happens very often to the detriment of themselves when it, you know, even for things that come off the football field, the bears are just kind of traditional, you know, mm-hmm. they're a traditional team and they kind of still act like, <laughs> you know, they have traditional values, right? They're kind of still stuck in the eighties a little bit, you know, they go into bed and they're listening to the Super Bowl shuffle. Like that's, it's been done. It's been washed. It's over. Um, but you know, it, yeah. it, and it's just the unfortunate reality, but it would be a huge step forward if, you know, Ted Phillips actually kind of follows through with his word here. Um, and it's gonna, it's definitely going to make it pretty dramatic this off season, um, you know, pretty quickly on if they're going to have to really figure out how they're reshuffling some things at the at the very top of the organization. Dude, that's why I was all for the Bezos Bears, bro. Like uh, when, when everyone around a little bit, there's it, some rumors coming back around. Dude, there were even rumors that he was touring the facility. Really? Yeah, they're like, I don't again, really like these are very like 
low level rumors. You know, it's not Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter coming out and saying this, but Bezos is looking for a football team. And, you know, with the, with what came out last year as well, there's uh seems like there's a good chance to McCaskey's once uh, Virginia um, unfortunately passes away. Uh, it doesn't really seem like there's that much uh, intrigue by the family to keep the team anymore. Yeah. I, 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 and you know what? I think that their lack of motivation outside of Virginia is, is kind of starting to show and has been rubbing off on this team for probably the past few decades. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Well, I think that would be good for everyone. Um, <laughs> it's really, a unanimous think, decision. Yeah, I don't think that anyone would contend that that would be a bad idea. Um, however, I, I do think that we need to talk a little bit about the head coaching search. Is there, I mean, what, are you still sticking for Kellen Moore, man? Like, I mean, wh- where are we? It's just with this head coaching searches, like no one's making themselves look that attractive. So it's really Seriously. tough to get excited. And I think that's just being pretty flat out about things. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I feel like the best candidate might come out of nowhere, you know? It might come out of nowhere. nowhere and if the college football kind of coaching carousel has taught us anything, it's just, you know. Maybe hold on, pump the brakes a little bit. You never know where the next where the next opportunity will come from. But it's tough not to get mm-hmm. a little antsy because everyone's gonna know that the Bears are looking for a new coach, and mm-hmm. that that can be a, a sticky spot to be in sometimes. So if, if the Bears hired Brian Dable at the end of the season, what would your grade be on him? Like a B minus. B minus. Kellen Moore. B. Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I'll give him A minus. I think that's a good. There idea. you go. Okay, yeah. so you're on the Byron Leftwich train with me now. I think that like, I don't know, outside of like Sean Payton or, in my opinion, Mike Tomlin, they're just there's, it's just not really that guy, you know. Like I, think, yeah. I just, I mean, Sean Payton would be interesting. See, I, oh, Sean I, Payton you, would be you, insane. If you say Tomlin or Sean Payton, I'm taking Sean Payton. Oh, of course, me too. A okay. hundred times over. Even though he's kind of had the similar situation with Tomlin where he's kind of you know they've had so many attempts at it but never were able to make yeah, make it happen it's very true um but dude what Sean Payton did with uh Jameis Winston man that's kind of crazy that's also why I give a lot of respect to uh Byron Leftwich. I mean they they had a good offense with Jameis Winston even though he was the turnover king of the world kind of the same thing with like the Saints right now it's like I don't know the the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant with Byron Leftwich is like you just don't you don't you just don't know how much Arians is influencing that offense. It's likely that he is significantly, but he's also saying that he isn't as much anymore. So you just you don't know. I think really at the end of the coaching cycle, I think that it's gonna the best head coach might come from kind of a weird place. You know? Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. And I mean, there's a decent amount of coaches, uh, you know, around the league now that are possibly looking at kind of a at a hot seat situation. And you know, I think Tomlin and and Sean Payton are kind of like the interesting ones. We're like, well, maybe we'll have a couple of firings from like those kind of teams. The kind of the kind of vibes that were like when the Bears fired Lovey Smith, like on a ten and six season. It's kind of like, well, we're just kind of done with like this being the normal, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if there's any teams that are looking to kind of break their 
their own trends. And honestly, I could see the Steelers looking to do something like that. I mean, it's just how many years do you want to go through, you know, feeling like this year could be your year and then it ends up the same way every time. With Sean Payton, I think it would be more so uh, a mutual of splitting ways, you know? Like, I think that Sean Payton wants to win, and I don't know if he's going to want to stick through this rebuild that the Saints are going to have to go through. Kind of kind of similar to Arian's situation in Arizona, where once Carson Palmer stepped down, Arians was just like, I'm out. You know, like he's just like, I don't want I don't want to go through this. I want like wanted to win. And then when the perfect situation presented itself with Tampa, I think Arians is also familiar with the owner of Tampa. And that was a big that played a lot into it as well. Um he had some by friends when, there. Yeah. Whether yeah. it be the owner but when, or not. Yeah. When that popped up, he instantly jumped onto it. When Arians went to Tampa, that was the coaching cycle following when we hired Matt Nagy, right? Yeah, that'd be correct. Okay. Yeah, that's what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Because, um, man, if we would have missed out on Arians twice, that would have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that. not that he would have ever even fielded an offer from here after kind of the way that he was kind of like tentatively hired and then thrown out for... The CFL God, Mark Trustman. God, why did you have to remind me of that? Should we talk about the Vikings game? Yeah, let's talk about the Vikings game, man. <laughs> All right. Well, the good news is, Bears fans, Matt Nagy owns the Vikings. <laughs> like, he literally owns the Vikings. He's lost one game to them. As bad as we've been against the Packers... At least we have just completely dominated the Vikings and the Lions, man. I mean, that's what I got to give credit to Matt Nagy is he does a decent job of beating up on bad teams. Yeah. But I'm also nearly certain that whenever the Bears have had extended time off in between games, we've lost, I think, every single game. And technically, we have an extra day to prepare. Scary. Now, I mean, you know what? Maybe the Bears sold off their shares of of ownership to Aaron Rodgers to acquire shares in the Vikings, (laughs) but we'll we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out this weekend. I mean, I think I said to you before this podcast, right? It's fifty fifty. I think this this game is as good as a coin flip, you know, because you could get the typical Vikings that just they forget how to play against the Bears. Kirk Cousins is going to throw up two picks. You know, maybe one of them gets even taken to the house. We, we could see some spectacular Bears defensive play this week on the back of Kirk a pick, Cousins. A pick from the Chicago Bears? Man. I, well, it's, it's hard to picture, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. What's oh that? Oh, my God. You can, you can catch the other team's pass? Yeah. What? Seriously. <laughs> That's a new wrinkle Here's... in the game, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Here's why I'm concerned. Um... No, if we were at full health, I would definitely be saying that we're going to win this game. Um, I don't think the uh, Kirk Cousin, uh, what what even is their is their head coach's name again? I always forget it. Zimmer. Yeah, Mike Zimmer, the Kirk Cousin, Mike Zimmer led Vikings. I'm not afraid of particularly about about that as strong said, as the Trubisky Nagy led Bears. <laughs> Oh, dude, they're even worse than that. <laughs> Trubisky is never Trubisky is undefeated against the Vikings, bro. Uh, so you you can't even say that. This is this is a this is a special kind of bad when they're versing the Bears. Um, but 
that being said, the Chicago Bears, and we forgot to mention this at the top of the show, Larry Borum, Eddie Goldman, and Artie Burns all got put on COVID reserve yeah. today. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's more positive tests uh, going into the game. Um, just based on how quickly COVID can spread. And not having Larry Borum on a specifically terrible offensive line this year looked awful against the Packers. And then also not having Artie Burns, who was filling in for uh, Kendall Vildor and looked like an improvement for sure. Uh, not the first game, but after that, he's, he definitely started looking like an improvement. Um, that's going to hurt us bad, especially with a team that has that's pretty deep at wide receiver. And it doesn't have a terrible defensive line either. Yeah. It, no, the injuries are very in inopportune this week. And I think that one of them from a few weeks back is going to hurt especially. I think one of the reasons why the Bears have been usually very effective at stopping Delvin Cook compared to other teams is because they got someone like Khalil Mack on the outside who's been very rangy and able to shut him down in the past and you know, this as good against the run as as he is against the pass. Yeah, and the few rushes in the league like that. You look at um, Travis Gibson is going to have a, a, a tall task this week to really kind of fill some shoes. I, I don't really worry too much about Robert Quinn. Um, you know, he's been having a hell of a season, but you look towards the other side and it's certainly, a you know, a different situation than we've had in the past. So. Yeah, and really, ultimately, testing this secondary, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something. You know, I think Justin Jefferson is becoming, you know, week by week, an even better receiver, and it's really just kind of become phenomenal. I think that he's already clearly leaps and bounds better than someone like Allen Robinson. <laughs> I just keep yeah. coming at yeah, Allen Robinson seriously. in this vid, but or in this podcast, but it, it's you think the, the truth. Vikings would accept a trade of Allen Robinson for? Uh, for for Jefferson, yeah. I wish they were that stupid. Like they're almost right. there, but not quite. Um, the funny thing is that Jefferson is really similar to Stefan Diggs, who they shipped out to get him. Um, but I mean, he I, you can argue that he's he's probably going to be better than Diggs. I would say he's more versatile in I my think opinion. He, I think he's more versatile. I think he'll have a little bit. Um, He's just going to give you more production. I think Diggs can give you the bigger plays, but I think that, you know, you can have stuff on Diggs, you know, fade away in a game a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas someone like Jefferson, you got to be accounting for him in every single play. And, you know, with this Bears secondary, that's going to be going to be a tough task. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't know how the Bears defense is honestly going to fare against, you know, they're really actually going to need Kirk Cousins to, and, and unsarcastically or unjokingly have a terrible game because if he's able to find his receivers, it's going to be tough. I mean, they still have Adam Thielen, who I think people have kind of cooled down on a little bit. Is he going to be playing? Is he like, is, I, I thought he might be injured. Is he? Okay. I don't know. I'd have to check. That. I know he got injured like a, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if he's still injured. Okay. I just know the Vikings games I watched this year. He's been playing in it. Um, but just because the Vikings are low-key an interesting team to watch from time to time. But you know what? I think that, the, yeah, they have a good defensive line. I still think there's room for this Bears offense to succeed against the Vikings defense, though. I don't think they're unbelievably great. I think for as bad as the Bears offense is, they should still be able to run the ball to a certain point and hopefully open things up with the passing game. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to win it. Like, I think really it's a 75-20-25 game. Um, listen, I as much as I hate the Vikings, and I think the Vikings are a terrible team, 
I'm not a fan of Mike Zimmer. Um, the Vikings, I I feel like the Vikings always have some players, but just like the hole is never like as good as you expect it to be. Um, even going back to when they got Kirk Cousins and how Kirk Cousins was viewed. I mean, people forget that when the Vikings got Kirk Cousins, people were saying the Vikings might go to the Super Bowl, and um, immediately they were terrible. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was very bad, and that was coming off of the uh, uh, Case Keenum year, and uh, just things things went stale there. It was like um, that for a solid couple of years too. It wasn't even his first year there. Like, sheesh, yeah. man. Well, the thing is that Kirk Cousins. Uh, he, he, he stepped up, uh, when he had to, you know, he stepped up right in the year where he could potentially get cut and got a second contract, uh, out of it. So, um, yeah, I think when Kirk, Kirk Cousins is, uh, kind of like a worse version of Matthew Stafford, I'd say, where like yeah. he, he kind of, he really pats his stats, you know, like he, he really, really gets some, uh, like if you look at some of his seasons you'll be like wow this guy's probably a pretty good quarterback but then you see the product on the field and you're like hmm doesn't really match up to that uh, it's interesting too yeah. he's always had his receivers at least while he was on the vikings you know it was Thielen, yeah. Diggs, and you know now justin jefferson, jefferson. you know for matthew stafford it was megatron i mean who can forget and later on finally got kenny galladay and he had his little relate. He had his good year with Marvin Golden Jones Tate. too. Yeah, Golden Tate. Yeah, Golden Tate. Yeah. They had one year where they had three receivers go over a thousand yards. Like, how does that even happen? Um, and they still crazy. didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so I'm not too worried about it. I think that if the Bears can, if David Montgomery has a big day and Justin Fields can get some good plays off, and the offensive line can just hold up enough at the bears are going to win this game the concern is is that the bears offensive line just takes such a massive step back if they don't have peters and borum um that it's just it's just an unusable offensive line and we see something kind of similar to what happened when nick Foles was uh playing against them where they were just able to you know take us to town because we couldn't protect at all. Now, Justin Fields is going to extend the play a lot better, but Matt Nagy also needs to learn how to allow Justin Fields to do that, um, which I is going to be hard to anticipate. <laughs> These are two teams that have had two pretty disappointing seasons, each one kind of in their own way. You know, I think that the Vikings are... They probably still have more to play for, but they're kidding themselves, you know. They, Barely they, anything. They're they're really not not a great team, dude. Could you imagine what would make this game even more meaningless? I just want you to ponder it in your head real quick, and I think it's a legitimate possibility for this week's game. What would really make this a Bears Vikings classic? Andy Dalton has to fill in for Justin Fields. <laughs> no, that's a nightmare if it ends in a tie. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Couldn't you see like a twenty-three twenty-three score on the scoreboard right now, with zero I seconds so, left in the overtime? I so could. <laughs> I well, let's let's get into the score prediction then. Like, what do you what do you think is gonna happen? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate option. I think if I had to pick a team, you know what? I think I'll give the Bears the matchup at the end of the season and sacrifice the loss early on right now, and say so that the Vikings win it. 26 to 20 but hmm. dude i could really see a i could see a 23 23 kind of tie ball game here 
or, or this game going into overtime on some just real like you know just funny stuff man <laughs> games in chicago right that's correct on a monday night yeah i think that and and you know kirk cousins monday night record it's pretty it's terrible, atrocious right yeah it's atrocious has he even yeah ever i think won? he's won one i think he either i think he might have just won his first one this year um that's sad as hell kirk cousins in prime time is terrible listen i'm gonna give the bears maybe a little too much credit here 30 they're gonna match their season high oh my god okay 30 points vikings 17 i like it you know what 13 point 13 point victory because i think if the bears really do win this game outright it's gonna be a score like that though because mm-hmm. I think that basically what that represents is that the Vikings really couldn't figure out things on offense, which has happened against the Bears for them, and that the Bears mm-hmm. probably get a turnover, capitalize on it, and you know do a couple things right, stick to running the ball pretty heavy, um, but still get some nice passing plays in there. I well, could, the Bears have always put up – Matt Nagy has always put up points on, on uh, Zimmer's defenses. Hasn't, hasn't had yeah. an issue. So this is one game where he feels pretty comfortable – coaching and you know so i think that the first score of the game is going to be david montgomery i think david montgomery is going to have a big game this this week um, i think jakeem grant's going to have another also going to have a pretty big week as well and i think that darnell mooney and alan robinson will come up with enough points that uh, they'll be able to make something happen on offense uh i think what's going to happen is the bears are going to pop up pretty quick and then Kirk cousins is going to get into the hero ball Everybody's gonna try to actually like try to air it out, and that's when I think most of the mistakes are gonna occur. Yeah, no, the sacks and turnovers will come there for sure. I think if the bear, if Nagy is really intelligent this game, he's gonna start off by really kind of drawing this Vikings defense up, and then he can just blow it up over the top. But if you can bring Harrison Harrison Smith down into the box, you can get Patrick Peterson feeling all kind of crazy for some whatever reason and try to get them cracking and making plays in the backfield, and then you throw it right over the top of their heads, it's going to be too easy Perfect. money. It's going to be too easy. Yes, seriously. Um, yeah, but, I mean, we'll see. You know, with this Bears team, and nothing, we can take nothing for granted. Um, I, maybe that's just what we want to happen, but I, I truly think that's what's going to happen, um, especially considering it's in Chicago and it's also – Monday night game, and um, you know I think Matt Nagy is going to want to get his revenge for the one game he lost against Kirk Cousins last year. Yeah, it always feels decent to beat the Vikings too, you know, because yeah, yeah. sometimes sometimes the wins against the Lions those are hollow victories for whatever reason. Exactly, the, the Vikings <laughs> wins they they see they're a little bit more fulfilling. Yeah, exactly, for sure. But I think that's about it, man. Um, do you have anything else? Oh, no, nothing too pressing. I mean, uh, I promise uh, to all our listeners, we're trying to come up with something pretty interesting to talk about. And we might start coming out with some things that are a little bit more, I don't know, concept-based or something like that, um, at least maybe for our videos or things like that to change it up a little bit. I know it's been a little same old, same old, but, you know, Austin and I are trying the best we can to, to keep the season kind of spicy. <laughs> Yeah, the unfortunate thing about podcasting over a bad team that you everyone knows what the issues are. Like at least last year we could speculate. Is it the quarterback? Is it Matt Nagy? Is it Ryan Pace? Like we could speculate, but 
this year, I think the writing is so clearly on the wall. I think every single commentator knows when they're talking about the game exactly what the issues are. I don't think every fan knows that, you know, he'll come up with 10 reasons why he loves Matt Nagy. Yeah. Seriously. He's like, Oh my God. Um, but we're, we're going to make it through it and we're really going to be, I'm excited for this off season. I'm excited for this last stretch of games, honestly, because I think we'll see some winning football. I think we'll, we'll, uh, win more games than we lose over this stretch. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly, um, you know, and it's unfortunate that it's not coming in a time where the Bears can really take advantage of it or turn it into anything. But this is certainly the favorable part of the schedule, <laughs> to say Absolutely. the least. And, you know, we're coming into some games that are going to be against the Giants, who are uh, a pretty terrible team. Um, the, Lennon. the Seahawks, Lennon who are basically kind of like a limping team right now. So, you know, it's... They can pick up a couple wins by playing pretty mediocre football. And hey, man, if there's one thing that the Bears know how to do, it's let's play some mediocre <laughs> football. For sure, for sure. Well, I think that's going to cap off the show. Thank you guys so much. If you would like, please leave us a rating and review. It helps us tremendously. And uh, we'll be on here, I'm sure, for a post game pod. Hopefully Monday night or have it be released Tuesday at some time. Um, but if the if the Bears lose. Uh, We'll make sure to uh, to give them all the heat that we can. Yeah, we'll we'll try all the heat that they deserve. But you know, until then, we'll keep our spirits up and and bear down. Bear down, guys.